So it's come to this. Do you see how easy that was? Yeah, I get it. <laughs> you see how uh, straightforward you know, to the keep point. Keep it simple, stupid. You know the it's the name on. of the show. Yeah. So it's come to this. Yeah. Right. I get I'm, it. I'm Anyone Eric. can do it. <laughs> I'm Charlie. Um, yeah, we were we were working too hard. Your long hours. Uh, it was no, no. tough. We uh, are back <laughs> with our Lynch double feature. We're back at it. Our 90s part two. Lynch. Yeah. This one is great because uh, this might be the first time I've seen this movie in its full presentation. Sure. Um, I get that. This had, this had some pretty dubious home video edits. Exactly. Right. We're talking about Lost Highway. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure the vid- the DVD I saw of it was like a bootleg. That's what I'm saying. DVD. Yeah, I, I saw a bootleg. I want to say it was like the top inch was cut off or something, you know, the top <laughs> part of the the film or whatever. But uh, it was like my my Jackie Brown copy for the longest time. Oh yeah, was, <laughs> I had a VHS that I brought bought from a street vendor mm. in New York. Sure, like a dude with a so blanket, it was like a camcorder. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, the girls on the trip bought like the double double VHS Titanic from the street <laughs> vendor. It was like Oscar screener VHS. So mine was a Jackie Brown mm-hmm. with like a photocopy cardboard case, and it was a total camcorder set up. Oh man! In a movie theater, and so it was so not great. the best way to watch. Uh, yeah, any movie. But so I bought a, a I bought Brown. a camcorder filmed vhs of jackie brown for five dollars that's pretty sweet and that was my copy of jackie brown for a while and my copy of lost Your illegal copy yeah my illegal copy of jackie brown let's be, be clear here <laughs> and we're breaking uh, the law sir every D- i think the dvd of lost highway basically looked like that right no that's really yeah it was like <laughs> it was a, this grainy this weird photocopy copy. uh paper on the outside of the case yeah <laughs> absolutely so yeah, i think it got a dvd release really late in the game. So there was a lot of things of it. I feel like there was a whole thing because the soundtrack was so uh, eclectic and it had all these big names on it. I feel like there was a whole licensing thing that happened, but I'd oh, be curious to know how right. Neil got a, you know, a, a theatrical print of it. Because... Yeah. Cause this was the best I've ever seen it look. Right. Um, this is a pretty contentious movie in Lynch's canon, but I'm happy that I got to at least see it looking its best. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess Sounding the big good. question before we get into anything is uh, the most important thing. Did you like Lost Highway? Hmm. I do. I like Lost Highway. Is this how your how manyth time seeing it? Um, maybe third, but again, yeah. probably the first time that's uh, in its originally intended. Uh, mm-hmm theatrical release kind of a look but um sounds like we're on the same same boat then i'm this was my third time seeing it right and this was agreed the first time i've seen it like oh wow this looks you know this is easily the best i've seen it look and probably the most i liked it mm-hmm. uh, the first time i watched i didn't like it i was not a fan of it yeah and then i saw it years later and parts had grown on me and this was i was definitely into what they were doing 
but uh, I also think they've done it better in other movies. It's kind of like a not as good merging of Mulholland Drive with Wild at Heart. I totally feel that, yeah. Um, and I think it had a lot of interesting ideas that maybe didn't get the best uh, treatment. I think the acting was uh, a little weaker in this one than in Wild at Heart. Yeah. But uh, Yeah, people fit their roles a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, a lot better in Wild at Heart because right. every one of those roles felt perfect. This one definitely felt like an, an otter cast match mm-hmm. with the character outside right. of uh, Robert Loja. Outside of that masterful performance by yeah, Robert we'll Loja. Get, we'll get to that. We'll have a 20-minute feature on a two-minute Um But it was because, uh, yeah, we watched this on the big screen as a double feature with Wild at Heart, which we talked about last week. Go listen to that episode. Um and after the energy and kind of the raw sexual <laughs> yeah. uh, drive of Wild at Heart. The horniness of Wild at Heart um, surged through it. Man, Lost times. Highway is like a, is like a sleepy, uh, frustrated, uh, just just the worst kind of flip of the coin of all it's of that energy. <laughs> like in, you know, kind of gone inversely. It's like when Margaret Qualley says... Uh, Brad Pitt's a bring down bummer. Exactly. <laughs> in Once Upon a Time. Like it is. Yeah, it's a it bit of a like, bummer. Who man, to go through that crazy thrill ride that is wild at heart mm-hmm. that we were just like laughing and almost tearing up at. Like, oh, great audience emotion mm-hmm. in that movie. To then be like, all right, here's like two hours and fifteen minutes <laughs> of jazz club porn impresario drug fueled nightmare right like but it also i mean it opens with basically 20 minutes of an unhappy couple barely speaking to each other yeah dark rooms this kind of ugly beige color the whole time uh i think that was i think that's lynch's house i don't doubt it i think the backyard i've seen before in uh um, like one of his music videos. Uh-huh. I know that cinder block wall backyard. It looked too familiar. And I love how their house looked like a huge L.A. mansion version of the apartment in Blue Velvet. Isabella Rossellini's mm-hmm. uh, apartment. This was the mansion L.A. house near the uh, near the observatory. I could see so that. It's one of those beautiful Griffith Park observatory area mansions right but the oh. facade of the mansion is not inviting no or it's it's got these little weird slit windows and kind of one window in the corner it's very bizarre yeah it's very art deco so i could see i could see why that you know if that is his house why he'd be attracted to that yeah style but uh yeah this very unhappy couple that clearly uh infidelity is happening and unhappiness is happening and bill pullman uh bless him is is just kind of expressionless for this first half, uh, I think he's trying to play it under the surface, but uh, yeah, he's playing it way under the surface. Bill Pullman is—it's—it felt like a kind of a mean joke when the Pullman Paxton thing happened, where the joke is that they're you know the same guy. Oh yeah, yeah. But I kind of get it because <laughs> <laughs> there's sometimes I really like Bill Pullman. I really love the TV show The Sinner. Mm. Um, and you know, I probably watched Spaceballs like 20 times when I Love was a uh, 10 year old. Love it. Um, I, I like Pullman. I, I think he gets a bad rap 
as being kind but, of bland, but, but he sometimes is, he is bland. But he, exactly. But I kind of got that reputation somewhere along the yeah. line. And Bill Paxton is, I used to just think was a bad actor. And at a certain point, a switch flipped where I loved everything about him. Hmm. It was such a like, actually everything he does is good. <laughs> and Pullman, at least to me, feels like a guy that I was like, I could see eventually pulling it for Pullman. <laughs> and uh, you want to rethink that uh, phrase? Nope. nope. I thought it all We're out. Good? All That's right. exactly how I want it to sound. Keep it in the podcast. Definitely wanted it to say pulling it to Pullman. That's how I wanted it to be remembered. Thank you for noticing. But then he still does things. I just saw the movie Dark Waters, the new Todd Haynes movie. Right. And Bill Pullman, like, foghorn leghorns his way through the whole movie. And I'm just like, who is this guy? And it's, you he makes, he's such a distracting character in the movie that you're just like, oh, they introduced this character because he's going to have something major. And then, then he just eventually isn't in the movie. And you're like, what was he there for? Oh, yeah. Why did Bill Pullman just, well, I do a say there uh, to the council. Why is Bill like, Pullman like, doing who that? Who is this? Yeah. It's That's like not he, Pullman. He's just the third member of their team. That's it. Oh, and just, so then it's just, just like showing up for a couple of days of. Uh, so for all this, all this Pullman Paxton comparisons, and for the genuine times where I can't actually remember if which one of them is in Twister. It's, there's uh, a lot of those moments. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. It's right. Paxton. It's Paxton. Is it though? It is. It's got to be. Or are both of them in it? Or is Carrie Elwes in it? Because he's the British it is, them. It is, it is Carrie Elwes. Yeah. yeah. And Boom. Paxton. We just cracked and into the other a young Philip Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Twister Wait, cast. We can't, we can't go on we a can't Twister go on the angle. Twister no. cast. No. no. Get, it gets its so own that's episode. So that's where Pullman takes Because I don't think Pullman's the level of actor that can pull me up to the Stop. levels that what, Paxton What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> that, one, that one was an accident, I swear. <laughs> Now he's the pulling you. I thought planned. you were pulling it. This one was an accident. Oh, I'm trapped goodness. in it. I can't get out of the joke. I'm sorry. I'm trapped in it. But you just Pol- got lost highway with this joke, dude. <laughs> Pullman, are you a Zero Effect fan? Uh, I am, but I watched it one time. Okay, and was like, this was co- that was cool. I do. And I, never, I love I never went Zero back to Effect, and so he. So I he always. It a lot. So Pullman always has at least. The zero effect as the floor sure. for him, which is a good place to start. But he can be drab. And I kind of liked his drabness. But the main thing I kept thinking is that Lynch in Lost Highway is so close to making like his version of like the Matrix. Mm. I could almost see him just being like, instead of making it noir, make it cyberpunk. And then I just thought of David Lynch. Then I just thought of it as a cyberpunk David Lynch movie the whole time. Oh wow! And so I was just into it in a weird way, and uh, yeah, I, I was really into it more than any other time. But I, I'm gonna be bad at explaining it. Right. I don't. Yeah. Neither of us looked sure up an explanation of this movie. I don't understand it. I'm not gonna pretend like I'm a smart guy. Sure. Maybe it has no point. Because uh, I know right afterwards I was thinking like. The most obvious one, which is a good go-to to get out of a conversation. And you're just like, I think it's like a type of purgatory. Mm-hmm. And then people are like, man, I guess so. 
Because literally any scene in any movie, you could say, oh, I think it's a type of purgatory. Yeah, exactly. That seems like a, it's a kind of an easy out yeah. for that kind of a mysterious... Like, yeah, they're all dead. You know, yeah, it's that kind of... Um... <laughs> so, I, so I fleeted away with that explanation because, yeah, you can buy that. There's There are allusions to that throughout the story mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, a guy who's kind of... What the weird Robert Blake character? Well, yeah, tells so, a story about. Uh, go on. Well, I was gonna say Robert Blake's introduction into the movie, kind of before the big, you know, switcheroo in the plot. Yeah, makes me think that uh, he's supposed to be some sort of, uh, you know, Bill Pullman is an unhappy man. Uh, he's kind of welcomed this evil into his heart, into his mind, and Robert yeah. Blake is pure evil. Yeah, and. Uh, in the movie and uh, his last role ever, is that right? Oh, yeah, that makes sense. I don't know why he became so unbookable. Didn't look that up either. No, didn't look up <laughs> anything about Lost Highway. I guess no. Uh, sure, you know that guy's kind of famous, right? Oh, oh, that guy. <laughs> yeah, killed his wife and got away with it. That guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but damn, what a what a weird, cool role to go out on before being blacklisted from Hollywood. It's a it's a great scene where he approaches Bill Pullman at the party and gives him the cell phone and and uh yeah, my favorite line in the movie is Pullman just that's fucking crazy, man. <laughs> yeah, see Bill Pullman has some of those that's a great, cool sailor um, retorts yeah. to things and that's where I really liked the Bull, Bill Pullman character. There was a lot of glowering smoldering eyes. Yeah. From Pullman. A lot of squinting. A lot of stubbly squinting mm-hmm. that seemed to be his main mood. It dragged a little on the squinting. A lot of stubbly squinting. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he's just kind of a, a pill. <laughs> yeah. Which is like probably why his wife is like messing around on him. I do like his smoke and jazz scene. Yeah, and then he's got this, uh, yeah. He's got this huge jazz, jazz career at the Luna cafe or whatever lunar sure. bar oh man some smoldering but man, he lays it all out on the stage jazz, yeah really sweatily leaving it out there <laughs> that's why it's such this weird a lot of times it plays like david lynch making one of those steamy erotic 90s thrillers like oh, yeah. david lynch like would it be so shocking to hear david lynch be into the movie jade Oh no! You know some movie yeah. like that would not be shocking. Or that that one with the uh, Harvey Keitel and Madonna. I think it was like an Abel Ferrara movie. Oh yeah, you know one of those like steamy, lusty, erotic thrillers from '93 to '95. He's into Body Heat. Yeah, just <laughs> stuff like that. I could just see David Lynch being a huge Jade fan. Well, like, it... I didn't like David Crusoe in NYPD Blue, but Jade, like. <laughs> Just and then him wanting to make Jade, but as a David Lynch movie. That's what this feels like to me. It feels like an erotic horror movie that feels kind of weird Showtime nineties movie. Mm-hmm. And but Showtime movies with a fifteen million dollar budget <laughs> and a lot of industrial music. I, I wonder how much of that is kind of that nineties era though, because this is what right in the middle of the nineties, isn't it? Like after yeah. Twin Peaks. So well, it made me what it made me kept wanting is since it was such a hard '90s movie. It's the most '90s Lynch movie, right? Because his other '90s movies, uh, Wild at Heart, felt like 
Wild at Heart had a, like a Streets of Fire vibe to it. Like the from another time and another place. Right, I could like see that. Streets of Fire is like it was not dependent on its time. It's the fifties and also the eighties. Yeah, and so Wild at Heart just had this weird, not from any specific time period look to it. Everybody had old cars. Mm-hmm. Who knows when it was exactly. from? And whereas Lost Highway looked like it was from nineteen ninety seven, you know, it that's, looked like that's the nineties. I mean. Yeah, it, it got it. Maybe it's kind of stuck in its yeah, time. Yeah, a, a straight bit. story was from a time where. A lot of movies from 1999 look like weird alien garbage now. Yeah, yeah. Because they all have specific 1999 blue lens filters and other bad CGI. Mm-hmm. But Lynch's 99 film is setting a farming community and spent on a highway on a tractor. So it could be, might as well have been made in the 70s. Right. But Lost Highway looks like exactly how 1997. Hollywood producer lame parties would look. And to me, it, it also has so much of the era-specific technology in it. The VCR, uh-huh. the, the VHS oh, tape. Oh, I love it. Uh, the, the, I the, opening, it the... the opening is them getting these VHS tapes on oh. the uh, front step, and they play it, and it's you know someone uh, videotaping the outside of their house, and then eventually the inside of their house and into their bedroom on a camcorder. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, if you watch, if you played this to a young person today, would they know what a VHS tape is? Like, would they understand That's why how I weird love, that is? Well, I love the, the uh... cell phones are kind of another <laughs> angle of that, and uh, yeah, Robert Blake's character, you know, even having the cell phone and the camcorder and this modern you know this felt like maybe this no, that's is why a, that's the 90s this, this must be a message that's the 1997 right? stuff i loved about it, is the fact that it's doing like a paranormal activity yeah kind of, <laughs> yeah right kind of a slasher like a, movie like trope a, right in the middle well, of this uh, dude when i was watching it i was like when was the original japanese the ring because yeah. they straight up ripped off Lost <laughs> yeah. Highway. If yeah, Ring, Ring like Goo came year, out three years after this. Because the scenes, especially where they're watching the videotape and it's creeping up, even the music score had that kind of same like oh, screeching yeah. string kind of thing happening to it. Yeah, I was like, this is straight up The Ring. Yeah, I guess probably the, five, four or five years before The, the Ring. The most pleasant part about this viewing for me is it was the first time, uh, I'm just slow to the party, uh, that I was really viewing it as a, a horror movie. Mm-hmm. A lot of the other times I view it as more of like a detective mystery kind of story. Sure. And this time I was really viewing it as more, because I just was picking up on all those slasher film elements. Oh, yeah. That, oh, were I, so, that I've never really just lingered on as much as I did this time. There were so many scenes in the beginning of him, uh, of Bill Pullman coming out of a dark hallway and kind of materializing, yeah, like, it was, like, like he Michael was Mike Myers. Myers. Yeah, it was like straight. <laughs> Have up you like... noticed the Mike Myers stuff in it before? I've never really well, noticed I, that. I, I you know, because it's such a <laughs> slow opening. Yeah, because it's such a slow build of of dread with these videotapes and the mood. That maybe, yeah, maybe I wasn't really picking up on it as like a a horror movie, but definitely, definitely this time. Yeah, hundred percent. I've never really. Just... I was totally getting that too. Yeah, especially the fade in and out of the dark oh, hallway. Yeah. I was like, I was like, wow, that's. I love that that's kind Halloween. of stuff. That yeah. really like, uh, it really felt like you know, the whole movie felt like you were moving in within other dimensions and you were establishing alternate timelines. Yeah, and this kind of sense of purgatory, but I forget if we talked about it earlier in this episode or if we talked about it upstairs. That purgatory is like kind of an easy out. Easy out. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah. And 
But I didn't get that that was they were using it for an easy out this time. Mm-hmm. I think he really was establishing this cool feeling of being trapped in a weird loop where details get muddled. And I don't know. That's how I was enjoying it this time. Well, he had this thing of saying, uh, he had this particular moment of talking to the, once they realized someone's been in their house, they called the detectives to come over and check things out. Yeah. He has that thing saying, I, I like to remember things the way I remember them. Yeah. Not the way they happened. Yeah. Which is why he, like he doesn't like having a camcorder or whatever in the house. Yeah, I really like that Kind of that a weird line. thing to say to the detectives. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't like... Uh, even the detective was like, what do you mean by that? <laughs> he like, yeah, yeah. Uh, can you repeat that? Yeah. Huh? Like, he likes to remember his own truths. Right. The way he his remembers His version them. of things. Rather and than so, the way they really happen. Like, that's a weird thing to say. And so you can imagine... That's why I get the whole... The... Uh, the cross with Mulholland Drive mm-hmm. is because, you know, Mulholland Drive is, God, one of my top five favorite movies ever. Any any genre, any decade. And I really love the story and I love the framing of the Naomi Watts character being kind of down and out, but remembering, but visualizing her story as this big romantic new girl arrives to Hollywood story and makes it, mm-hmm. you know, I love that, that quality to it. And this kind of had that same kind of vibe, whether you, whether it was done as well, I'm not sure, but Bill Pullman in prison for murder, imagining his life going a different way. Imagining him as this young, cool, maybe working class guy, mechanic who falls in love with this, uh, gun malls babe you know <laughs> right and uh even at the threat of knowing this guy is gonna kill him if he ever finds out you know like that's what drove them to murder and madness and you know it's such a pulp noir kind of story and so you kind of get that vibe that it's these different realities reimagined and romanticized and made more interesting than that 20 minutes of domestic argument that we started the movie with <laughs> just that yeah quiet you know fighting. yeah just smoldering low talking hate-filled intensity yeah and, and, and they have the worst sex in the history of you know <sighs> film we, uh yeah you know and it's just again, that's another reason such, why i thought of the matrix a... because you had that bad sex between keanu and uh or the uh <laughs> uh no no, no. <laughs> Hold on. You know, like the uh, the Matrix <laughs> on ones, now. you have the uh, the way they they uh, the cyberpunk way of uh, being passionate. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, much more robotic and uh, virtual reality than than real. And then you get Bill Pullman just kind of dully pounding mm. his, uh, his wife. Uh, it just feels that same kind of. It feels like well, a, I got the sense in that scene too that he maybe uh, lost the the spirit. And, yeah, because uh, she gives him a little tap on the back as if that's yeah. Well, okay. then he, well, he's also then he's crying. Just, yeah, it's, so that's why it felt it's like bad. more like Lynch doing bad. a sex scene in the movie Strange Days than yeah, him yeah. doing a set. So <laughs> it's like a cyberpunk movie without being quite. I get that. cyberpunk. Yeah, yet. because yeah, they're decked out in black the yeah. whole time. Yeah, he, and uh, yeah, Pullman's got kind of that slick back hair for some of the scenes and stuff. Yeah, it just feels like that era weird apocalyptic sci-fi <laughs> i get that so but, he imagines as a pulp noir right so so you think so yeah so pullman doesn't realize he's killed his wife but is now in jail yeah kind of amnesia effect but he's in the cell and then 
blue lights occur and he's turned into Balthazar Getty. Yeah. In the cell. Yeah. You think what do you, what do you think happened? I think it's Pullman like romanticizing how he got here. Romanticizing the details of his life. Changing it. I don't know, like uh you know, reimagining how th- how different things could have been. But he's I still think. in jail. He's still in jail. I think it's all reimagining them. because he's in jail for murder of this other imagination. Yeah, I got. That. And all these characters float between the stories, but they're kind of romanticized versions of themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, they're different. They're they're faker, and uh, that's the heart of our movie. And it's such a it's such a weird vibe and yeah. such a cool tone and. I don't know. I I'm into it. I'm into it. Even if I don't, my my explanation could have just been total horseshit. I like it. I mean, <laughs> but I, I, but I it's also... just like it makes me feel like uh, it's not just being weird. Right. They got this all purgatory mapped out and these weird floating characters. I think there's just something strange about the fact. So basically, yeah, he turns into this younger guy played by an actor named Balthazar Getty. Yeah, that who guy. is that? Who is that? <laughs> who is oh. that? We'll talk about him later, maybe. I remember having this party at your house, on the same house. Now it's come up two episodes in a row over on 7th Street, right? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't even remember the guy. I don't know what his name was. He was kind of a taller guy, and he was talking to me about Lost Highway for like 20 minutes. Oh, okay. He was totally drunk. (laughs) And he was like, because I had seen it, and I hadn't been into it. And he was just like, man, you know. Let me tell you, you like Baltazar Getty? <laughs> Baltazar Getty, man, he's a mechanic, and he'll check under your hood, but, you know, he'll also uh, check under your girl's hood. <laughs> and I just remember being trapped in the worst, like, party conversation That was his way ever. of being like, no, it's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he checks under your hood. Yeah, he checks under oh, the boy. hood, but it'll also... And he was just doing, like, leaning in drunkenly. It was just like, man, talking with dudes about Lost Highway at Charlie's parties. That's not rough. my scene. Man, that is... Uh, so then I have to uh, keep coming back. I apologize for that party. <laughs> yeah. I, I have I this do, history with Lost Highway, man. I do think that kind of needs to be our new secret password, though. Like, you like Balthazar Getty? Yeah. You know, that's kind of like our, our code. This is probably we'll the only movie I've ever seen. I know the guy's had a decent career. I don't think I crossed paths with Balthazar Getty. I have no idea Balthazar what else he's been in. I'm sorry. That didn't often. look it up. Um, I just love the name, and I'll say Balthazar Getty as many yeah. times as it takes. Well, then you get the great... I mean, Patricia Arquette is such a good 1940s noir movie she's pretty great in this movie Yeah, if those babes also did full nude scenes yeah that's some brave nudity again again fearlessness yeah uh that felt like a very out of character patricia arquette performance and that was kind of maybe the first time that i really saw her as a you know Oh, she she could be a dramatic actress, you know. Mm-hmm. Now she's a she's won an Oscar. You know, I'm not a huge true she's romance cool. fan, and this felt like a kind of cooler vibe, true romance. Very different. Yeah, very the different Patricia performance. Arquette, the Patricia yeah. Arquette thing kind of brought me there. I get that. Um, but I can I don't know. I was kind of seeing the connection last night. Yeah. But uh, I think the star of the movie, undoubtedly. Is Richard Pryor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. If you had told me... So this is a movie I'd seen twice before. Twice before. I've seen this movie twice, spread out over the last 15 years. 
and my whole duration of this movie was spent going like, wait a minute, Gary Busey is in The Lost Highway? Yeah. Wait a minute, Richard Pryor's in The Lost Highway? <laughs> wait a minute, Marilyn Manson's in The Lost Highway? Like, I don't remember any of this. I've seen this movie twice now. This is the third time. Gary Busey is significantly in The Lost Highway. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, <laughs> Richard Pryor has a long monologue. It's a nice little scene there, yeah. All these guys are getting in their last scene, like, before death <laughs> in this movie. It's crazy. Yeah. And, uh, and it's so good. I'm so into It's such a weird vibe. It's such a weird lynch, like, purposely choosing to work with on the way out actors you know it's like the last when you look up on their imdb like what's the last cool thing Busey was in right oof 97 well because yeah so much of what we were talking about with wild at heart being like all the characters really fit the actors who played them or vice versa this one it was yeah it felt very much like him going i wonder if i can get richard Pryor. yeah just out of the blue it felt like him like yeah we'll make a scene for him and (laughs) You know, yeah. All the, it felt it was, like him working with, like, purposely working with castoffs. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe the last film for Robert Blake. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. So Probably like one was, of the last for Richard Pryor. Yeah, I think. Well, I think he, he passed in, away in the wheelchair. By uh, then. I think yeah. So I think that was his last role um, just due to his illness. Just like working with, <laughs> you know, nobody was really seriously regarding Busey for, for roles by '97. And his role's pretty, he's a pretty subdued, you know, he's the dad. Yeah. So what's weird with this movie is that there's, uh, the people around Balthazar Getty know something weird happened to him to land him in a prison cell for no reason. Yeah. He doesn't remember what happened. So it's, to me, it's, it's, there's something more than just maybe Pullman's imagination because there's other characters around who are like, what the hell happened? Why, how did you transport (laughs) from the lawn in front of the house, supposedly to a jail cell? Um, That part, I just can't wrap my head around. (laughs) Yeah. And they never tell them. They're always like, they're always like, we saw you that night. Well, that's the first. Do what? Some do what? See that. So that's where I think, I think the other easy explanation for stuff like I've heard it from Mulholland drive and you hear it for other things where it's like, Oh, well, you know, it makes sense if it's a dream. Right. And and that doesn't always play and I and I don't think that's what Mulholland Drive is, but this one I do get the sense of parts being a dream because it had that specifically annoying dream feature that you brought up of never quite getting the answer mm-hmm. that you're looking for. Like have you ever had that dream where you just can't quite see the thing that you're wanting to see? Oh yeah. Like it's just Whatever the focus of the dream is that you think the end point is, you can't quite get there. Well, I always have it like, yeah, I got to get somewhere on the other side of town and keep somehow getting farther away from it. You know, the further I go, I keep getting, you know, detoured away from it or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's what this kind of kept feeling like. Like, he kept getting close to figuring this out and never quite getting there. Right. It's it's that specifically that. frustrating kind of dream state mm-hmm. that can exist, but I, I just loved uh, in a totally different way than I loved the perfect casting of Wild at Heart. I loved the casting that's like picking through what's left over. <laughs> you know, no right. no premium actors were in this. No box office 
guarantees right in this one you had a few of his regulars like jack nance mm-hmm. but you didn't yeah you didn't have your harry dean stanton or uh you know some of the other people that yeah show it, it felt more like some new kind of it felt more like a like i said that whole time like him making a showtime cinemax movie yeah but with actual actors just not a listers mm-hmm. you know bill pullman's not the lead in all of you know a typical hit Patricia right. Arquette was definitely not a lead at that point. And so it's a lot of these, like, known names, but lesser names now, or people on the downslide of their career. Hmm. So it's him working with people that would do a TV movie, but him not making a TV movie budget movie. Right, I don't right. know. It's such a weird vibe, and it just made me wish we got, m- like, he was a quicker director. So we got more of that specific era of 90s Lynch I could see, yeah, exactly. Like, I wish we got to see more of what his take on the 90s was. <laughs> like Lynch's take on burgeoning technologies. Mm-hmm. I want to know about. I want to I want to see that late career Lynch sci-fi film. I wonder if we'll ever see another one. I don't know. I don't know. He's obviously still doing great things, so. Yeah. The 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 real star though. I I sidetracked you with the Richard Pryor surprise, me. but the real star of the show, please. Robert Loja oh, is yeah. This is a legendary performance. Now, this I, is an Oscar-worthy performance. I want you to know I almost did a Robert Loggia impression right now, but I've been scolded so badly <laughs> in the last couple episodes that I didn't do it. I, just for you, buddy. I just for you. I mean, why would you just keep choosing to burn yourself on the stove? <laughs> <laughs> why would you do it? Uh, this is the first time in our movie-going history, I think, that... A character got a full theater of applause after a scene. Yes. Yeah, we <laughs> you know, we were. It felt like one of those really powerful, like cheering for Melanie Griffith in Working Girl <laughs> kind of moments. Exactly. And I do remember a couple people when uh, when uh, Linda Hamilton finally killed the Terminator. When you and I saw the sure, Terminator, sure, sure, that got applause. That got some applause. Yeah, but this got like. A full-on, like, accepting an award kind of applause. Robert Loja plays... Robert Loja's a genius, by the way. We've had so many great Robert Loja moments in our movie days, with one of the best ones being uh, Gladiator. Yes. The, yeah. uh, the Not the Russell Crowe movie. No, the, the better uh, one. Uh, the 1992 the Gladiator. The, the kid that's in uh, Twin Peaks. Yeah, James Marshall. James or Marshall, something. yeah. yeah. And Cuba Gooding and Jr. Cuba, and Cuba. Brian Dennehy and Robert Loja. <laughs> and Loja. So it's Robert Loja doing the boxing trainer guy. And he's obsessed with candy. So right. Like, so he like want, he asks his like assistant for a Nestle Crunch bar. And it's like, give me a crunch. <laughs> <laughs> he's just always like eating M&Ms and just like they're getting in all these Nestle plugs. That's so great. He's like, here kid, have a crunch bar. <laughs> Robert Loja is so one of those guys where he's he's just got the best face. Oh and yeah, he's got such a great old man face. His, his the creases though around his eyes, it's like he's at this permanent squint. He's he's this harder edged George great. Hamilton. Right. He's like a kind of super tanned, the but silver, leathery tight skin, yeah. <laughs> but like a dark George Hamilton. And uh, damn, he's just so good. There was this commercial in the '90s. I know it's on YouTube. Mm. Me and my sister thought it was the funniest thing. <laughs> it's like a Minute Maid orange juice commercial where this kid with like a lisp 
good speech impediment commercial kid was like <laughs> refusing to drink his orange juice and the parents are like what do we got to do to get you to drink your juice and he's, he's like who do you need to hear it from and the kid's like i don't know robert loja <laughs> and loja just walks in the door in like a black suit just like hey you gotta drink your juice <laughs> <laughs> Why? And the kid's like, Robert Loja? <laughs> just Robert Loja shilling during, like, Animaniacs for juice. Why would, why would he be doing that? <laughs> yeah, Robert Loja's just doing it. Yeah, you drink your juice, kid. Man. Yeah. That sounds a, like ahead of its look, time as far as... Look up Robert... Yeah, it felt like weird that weird, ironic thing. 90s commercial, but, right. but in the mid-90s. Yeah, look up Robert Loja's juice commercial. Look it up. So this guy is like a been a childhood favorite of mine because he's an act he's a character actor who straight played himself mm-hmm. in an orange juice commercial you know it's like if richard lewis had like done a com- commercial for like heart medicine <laughs> it makes sense like yeah that guy seems like a good you right. know if you have angina or something that's right. like you want to hear it from richard lewis well who at the orange juice company is like get me logia mm-hmm I just uh, I yeah. want Loja to pitch my juice. You know, maybe he kind of looks like an orange from the right angle, but uh, it's such a, like a who's the most recognizable guy we could get, mm-hmm. but for this price. <laughs> like I don't know, Robert Loja, get Loja, get Loja. Yeah, uh, it was Loja. Always or, get Loja. It's guys. like, can we get walking? Get Loja. Get Loja. Let's start Loja. Because Loja. So here's I love Robert Loja so much. Um. The weird thing is seeing, like, 60s Loja, because he just sounds like a normal guy. Oh, right. It's like it's like listening younger. to, like, first album Tom Waits. Mm. It's just a guy mm-hmm. doing beatnik poetry. You're like, I'm not sure about this. I saw and, a picture of young Alex Trebek from, like, the 70s the other day. <laughs> yeah. Weirded me out. It's like big black afro <laughs> yeah. and mustache. I'm like, that's not yeah. Alex Trebek. <laughs> So yeah, just hearing this like smooth voiced Robert Loja yeah. instead of this like leathery leg ah! kind of guy, you know. That's Robert. pretty much what he sounded like, yeah, yeah. All of Lost Highway. And this famous scene, this should be I can't believe it actually didn't get an Oscar nomination. Like I know again, it's like a his he's in the movie for like seven or eight minutes. Mm-hmm. But his two big scenes when he gets into a road rage incident with a tailgater. This should be a the kind of scene that's shown like in Oscar highlight reels. <laughs> you know when there's sh- it should be shown at driving yeah. school. You know, too. like every year when the Academy Awards does the feature that's like a history of movies. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, what? It opens with Loja. Yeah, just uh, like a hundred and twenty years of cinema. And you're like, wait, <laughs> that's the theme of this? Really? In a three minute package? Right. And so it's like you get all the, like you know these famous scenes. This should be just they should just show him. Thirty seconds of it should be Robert Loja screaming about three different times. Check your driver's manual. <laughs> Do you have a driver's manual? Yeah. I want you to get one. I want you to study that motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, he 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 rams this dude who basically flips him off and. Uh, the the best part is when it begins, and as soon as the guy flips him off, his two goons in the back seat just buckle their yeah, seatbelt. They know what's what, coming. So one thing that Lynch does <laughs> that doesn't get enough credit is I love the way he puts straight up goons in movies. <laughs> yes, the these one, goons were like, great. Do you remember the goon in Mulholland Drive? I think it might have even been Tony Longo who was like 
the gooniest goon in these kind of movies when he like comes to uh justin trudeau's house and justin trudeau's like wife jumps on him and she's like pounding on him he's just this big gorilla of a oh, man yeah 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 walking through this mansion dealing with this woman <laughs> scrambling yeah. on him yeah yeah so yeah i That's love great. that robert loja just has his two backseat goons guys with just broad shoulders what looks and like bellies uh, uh, Guile from Street Fighter with like the bleached uh, cropped yeah. hair. And, yeah, you just got to have a couple of two seventy plus guys in big suits with like the shirts buttoned all the way up, just all sitting right there. So yeah, once Loja starts and, revving up his car and they buckle their seatbelts, like that's such a weird '90s comedy kind of moment, right? And we always go back to it the the energy in the theater. Before that Lost Boys sack scene. This was same, a big part. Same energy. Yeah. Same energy. I was so excited to see it in a theater filled with yeah. Lynch oh, I fans. Was, yeah, I was like, here we go. and Because uh, that is kind of the most memorable scene, really. Oh, God. Uh, but like I said, the, it's like, it should be like a legendary scene. Robert Loja. It should be taught in acting classes, for it's sure. It's such an unhinged, like, beautiful, fun... Uh, the script is so funny. Like I said, Lynch... When I said this is... Uh, I said while at heart was the most overt comedy. This is the most specifically written for laugh scene in a David Lynch movie ever. I could see this yeah, is I could the see most that. like we are trying to make this as funny as possible. Mm-hmm. This is read like such a funny bit. This seems like a Chevy Chase kind of bit in the middle of like a David Lynch movie. Yeah, he it, he rams this dude, pulls him out of the car. And starts basically reading stats off to him or screaming. Yeah. I mean, but he's screaming. 55,000 highway deaths a year because of assholes like you. <laughs> Do you know how many car lengths it takes to stop at 35 miles an hour? Seven car lengths. That's 106 <laughs> fucking feet. <laughs> Just, oh my Just, God. He has all the stats, he has all the literature. He knows all the info. He takes it seriously, man. And just gives it to this guy after, oh. At, at this a guy 10, just, a, just at a, a full, full-throated full 10, just pistol-whipping this dude with the biggest gun I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Loja that has this, huge, like, pl- like, this silver-plated gun. 357 Magnum <laughs> yeah. that he keeps flashing during this movie. And, yeah, this scene, he leaves this guy just a weepy mess after he just does... This breathless, it, it's like Arlie Ermy in Full Metal Jacket, mm-hmm. where he's just like it shouting is. nothing but obscenities at full volume without like skipping a word. Yeah. And just beautiful. I, I, I beautiful have heard stuff. this story that Loja was up for the role of Frank Booth in mm. Blue Velvet. Oh, yeah. Mm. And I guess Dennis Hopper had been cast, and Loja somehow didn't get the word and showed up for an audition. And reportedly, he was meant to wait for like several hours before mm. finding out that he that the role had already been cast. Supposedly, he laced into David Lynch, like on set, yelling at him in front of everybody for wasting his time. <laughs> for wasting yeah. his time, right? I can see that. And Lynch called him up like a decade later. I got the part do, for you to do that exact same thing. I have got the part for you <laughs> to just go into him about wasting other people's time. That's great. Yeah. So you already auditioned for this like a decade ago. I believe that a hundred percent. It's such the the role of a dream, like for an actor. I have to think. Like I can't believe this didn't get yeah an Oscar nomination. This felt 
feels like the perfect small role that every actor can celebrate. Yeah. You know, every single actor who's the age that Robert Loja was in Lost Highway would kill for this scene. Mm. Everybody would want to do that scene. That's so good. But then we get another scene that puts this character of Mr. Eddie over the top, which is a phone call. Oh, man. <laughs> this ended up being the biggest laugh <laughs> of the movie. Great. As funny as... Well, so after the after the, the, the driver's ed yeah. yelled propaganda from him, yeah. the audience broke out in just awards show applause. Oh, absolutely. Like... It was... A they were just rousing. Uh, yeah, applause. yeah. The theater was just loudly clapping for this, yeah. and as they were right to. We were right. That, to. that was the correct response. I don't want to say I started it with <laughs> the Rocky Four clap <laughs> from like that Gorbachev dude. Right. I don't want to be. I don't want to be taking all the credit, but but I know I was one of the earlier guys in there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but dude, his phone call. With Balsar Getty, you were dying. This was when earlier you something were doing the Dom DeLuise. Ca- something the about phone, phone humor, humor in this movie is so beautiful. Well, we get some weird phone stuff. Last week with Mister Reindeer's little phone God. call, funny, and then this time, so, so Lynch does phone calls the best. The Mulholland yeah, Drive yeah. phone call, where the weird tiny man from another place calls the one guy <laughs> and is like, "The girl is missing." It's just like, ah, oh, he does phone calls so good. <laughs> these phone calls are so good in these Lynch movies. I agree. Yeah. But oh. uh, Balthazar Getty um, meets Robert Loge's girl, who is Patricia Arquette God, with a blonde wig instead of brunette. What a smoldering babe. And Between Laura Dern in Wild at yeah. Heart and Patricia Arquette's I've seen like, a type. Su- man, Platinum she blonde. is the best, like, throwback blonde bombshell yeah. ever. And we didn't even talk about, I feel so bad for this. Laura Dern's glow up at the end of Wild at Heart, where she's got oh. the more USO girl look sure. with the polka dot dress and the big swooped curled hair. Big fan. Oh, what a big beautiful fan. hair and makeup job yeah, right. they did. I love that costuming at the end. I felt so bad for not mentioning it last week in the Wild at Heart episode. Sorry, Laura. I loved her look at the end of Wild at Heart. Anyway, I love that Patricia Arquette is like takes the Gwen Stefani look mm. <laughs> of that 1997, yeah. but gives it more of that like noir girl that was also a stout gymnast uh-huh. vibe. Uh, she... You know, she's like this short kind of, you know, we saw this long, tall drink of water in Laura Dern yeah. in Wild Heart, and Patricia Arquette's like five feet tall. She looks so tiny in some scenes. When the detectives are over at their house, Oh, yeah. Those guys look like they weighed like 400 pounds standing next to her. She's so Those are big small. Dudes. But she's a femme fatale. She turns out to be kind of that noir. Like, yeah. She's, uh, she's got ulterior motives. But anyways, they yeah, her and Balthazar hook up. They start having the most passionate sex. And the detectives following so many, Balthazar, like, watching them have sex. This is what felt like them, showtime. Following them. Because yeah. we saw so much like buns a lot thrusting. A lot of humping. A lot, a lot of, of humping. A lot of humping buns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it was quite a, it really ha- quite a bit of humping. And it was all with like tons of those like 90s graphics. Yeah. It was a lot of humping with like fire overlaid <laughs> over the humping. Well, this movie. Because there was like a, 
I don't know. There's always a big fire yeah, in yeah. Lynch movies. The thing I, I meant to even bring up earlier was that this movie has such a weird, like, tactile thing going on where everyone's in, like, bathrobes and there's satin sheets yeah, and dude, there's it really the red feels curtains. Like... And everyone in, especially when Balthazar <laughs> and Patricia Arquette, they're just touching each other's faces the whole time. Yeah, like, dude. every time they're kissing, they're, like, grabbing each other's cheeks and noses and ears and just, like... <laughs> It's like so handsy, and everything is just so tactile. It's it so, really feels like I don't a know. movie made about the lifestyle. Like yeah. it's a movie about swingers, but we aren't talking about swinging. It's, like it's a it's a subversive swingers movie. They're always yeah, they're very satiny. Yeah, and one thing, oh my god! So this has been a for the we saw. Four hours and 30 minutes of David Lynch movies oh, yeah. on a work night. About about a good 90 minutes of that just humping between <laughs> yeah. the two movies. I remember, so and everybody was in, as we've said, we were all oh, yeah. just along for the ride. Yeah. Everybody was laughing where they're supposed to. They were silent and in awe. They were emotionally tender and emotionally tender moments. And everybody was dead damn silent during all these minutes long humping scene <laughs> the bill the first scene with bill pullman just dully grinding into <laughs> patricia arquette yeah. went on for so long yeah not whereas not the fun. sailor lula scenes those people were fucking right my god sailor and lula were like they had just genital compatibility and they didn't really linger on those scenes too much no, in Wild at Heart. You, it get, was not, you get about four seconds at a time, it felt like. Just a couple yeah. of thrusts. It was some smoldering hot sex. This one really, yeah. They, they some took Some stuff really like, you know, I love it when a movie couple has genuine chemistry. Mm-hmm. Like I'm thinking like George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez in Out of Sight. Sure. That was, they didn't, there was no That's nudity. They were just, it was just hot. You it's know, all, it's all in the eyes. I have no idea who's gonna match up and who's gonna have no charisma whatsoever. But yeah. when it happens, it happens. And Nicolas Cage and Laura Dern, damn, they had chemistry. Mm. They were into it. Bill Pullman, that scene went on so long. I just felt like I had just been getting fucked by Bill <laughs> Pullman for like eight minutes. Yeah, you kind of start to imagine what it would be like. It was not in a good way. It no. was super like <laughs> POV shots. Of you just getting drilled slowly. Just making that. Like just with eyes half shut. By Pullman. Bill Pullman. Yeah. Just Bill Pullman with stubble face rubbing against your makeup. Kind of squinting. And him just squinting at you. And just like a burning cigarette two <laughs> feet away from your face. Bone smoke into it. While he just has a leg up. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> The scene scene went on for so long. It's just like, man, I'm just being drilled by Pullman here. This is ridiculous. And the movie theater was quiet. Everybody was just in there getting humped. It was like, what does this movie want to do? Yeah. What is this doing? What what vibe am I supposed to be feeling here? And this scene with Robert Loja. The phone call, yeah. Talking with Baltazar (laughs) Getty. I was in tears at a certain point because Robert Loja keeps repeating with slightly different ways the exact same line of dialogue like five or six times. Right. When he knows Balthazar Getty is 
sex and Patricia Arquette, Alice or Renee. Mm-hmm. Not sure which one she is in this story. Alice. Let's go Alice at this point, yeah. And he already told him that if he ever caught anybody fooling around with her. Oh, yeah. He already he, threatened him That once. he would stick his gun where the, where the sun don't shine up through his mouth. Yeah. So already a hard threat. Yeah. <laughs> From a guy who you know has got a got an unhinged side, capable of yeah. And Robert Loja just keeps saying like, "Are you doing okay?" <laughs> That's good. That's good. I just really, it's I really like knowing that you're doing good. I'm glad to hear you're doing good. I'm, I'm really just so glad. glad to hear that things are sure going so well for you. Sure you're good right now. That's good. That's good. <laughs> it's such a great... Glad things are going good. And he's just like, yeah. Balthazar, knowing that he knows, yeah. and kind of waiting for the shoe to drop, is like, yeah. yeah. And then he puts things him on with a friend of mine. And it's like, actually, the, the shot is actually kind of creepy because it's a very close-up of Robert Loja on the phone, right? And then it, he goes, I'm yeah. going to give you the, phone to my, you know, the phone to my friend. And then it pans over and it's Blake. Robert Blake. So with the, the weird kind of... What's great about this movie, this is why I was feeling these horror vibes... Robert oh, yeah. Blake's definitely... character was getting the horror movie oh, yeah. reactions he's... from the crowd. Yeah, I think definitely... being in the crowd made me experience this movie in that new way. Because there was three different times where Robert Blake appears in the scene that got like a notable Ugh! Yeah. kind of reaction yeah. from the audience. He's a ghoul in this movie. I mean, <laughs> yeah, man. He really is. What a wild role to go out on. Yeah. And I... And I there's tons of stuff I like Robert Blake in. I like him as an actor. Mm-hmm. It's a shame about the wife killing. It's a shame. It's so, a damn shame. Yeah. I'd love to be seen. You know, Robert Blake could have been a, a Robert Forster for me. Oh, for sure. If he had oh, uh, yeah. kept he acting into his like 60s he wasn't and 70s. Asshole murderer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, he, he gives the threat to Balthazar and kind of that. Um, God, what very a threat. Sinister. He gives him this very sinister threat. And then after he does so. Dude, this is the funniest line. This is such a funny line. A lot of these Robert Loja scenes feel like something out of a Nora Ephron movie. Hmm. Like you can picture Billy Crystal going on this kind of rant. Okay, yeah, yeah. You know, like a Norma, Nora Ephron, like, you know, like woman putting her foot down kind of speech. But they're read by Robert Loja. <laughs> It feels like David Lynch doing a hilarious Nora Ephron. I could see that. And when, yeah, <laughs> when Robert Loja takes the phone back after Robert Blake has just sinisterly threatened Balthazar Getty for two straight minutes, <laughs> Robert Loja goes, Pete, I just wanted to jump on. <laughs> And say I'm glad you're doing okay. <laughs> I just want to jump on. I just want to jump on. It's that phrasing. <laughs> it's such a. It's, it's so like specific. a. It's like a line somebody would say on Mad About You. Yeah. It's such a 1997 sitcom. It's just like the joke. thing your dad says. Like, hey, I just want to jump on. Just jump on here and say I'm glad you're doing okay. <laughs> I that I lost it. I absolutely that, lost that it. That line got. Tears reactions in the theater. Yeah, that is such a to go from that dark mood of Robert Blake to that '90s phone culture kind of joke of I just want to jump on here and say to continue the bit that already had gone on for so (laughs) much of this scene. I love bookending it, finishing the bit. It's such a 
freaking great scene. Uh, these two huge scenes for Loja. Like I said, that has to be an actor's dream. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's just because of how much I love character actors. But if I was an actor, oh God, if I could have uh-huh. that that role right. on my resume, I would do like cons for the rest of my life. Uh-huh. I would do that role and a few others, and then I would just do $5 Polaroids at cons. <laughs> I would love it. That's it. It's such a perfect role. That's oh, funny. And I love... I this is the first time. Yeah, every other time I've watched it with like you know, one other person in the room. Mm-hmm. Did you and I, you and I feel like we lost watched Lost Highway together? Maybe once. I think uh, the like with you at my Ronit Park apartment. Probably. I yeah. think we did that. That was probably the first time I'd seen. It. I think that was the first time all of us had seen it. That sounds about right. Then I saw it again a couple of years later. But yeah, just yeah, those. I watched it by myself like uh, probably like five six years ago. Mm-hmm. Fairly recent. And liked it more that time. I don't remember the mood being good when the four of us watched it, like that first time. Well, I don't remember us being into it. It, it, it again. It's uh, it, it's a very, it's slower. It's confusing. It uh, it, it just takes so many right turns in tone. Yeah. It's so uh, the the dark stuff is really dark. The horror stuff really played this time, and. You know, all these things like petty jealousies and uh, that weird L.A. gross porn producer culture. Yeah, they get into kind of another... Yeah, like, That's why it felt like an Abel Ferrara kind of thing. That, you know, he made a movie about Harvey Keitel, I think, getting involved with the... Hmm. I think that was the one with Madonna. I don't know. I get some of those 90s but yeah, boiler it's, erotic it's thrillers mixed Very up. much that sleazy underbelly kind but yeah, of thing. Yeah, it's him making a, a yeah. freaking... Made for Showtime Saturday night mo- midnight movie, but with a budget, and it looks amazing. But it's such trash <laughs> in the coolest way. It's such cool trash. But I don't know. I I, I kind of love it more and more. You get such weird, jarring commercial things that just feel like a weird corporate lynch kind of thing. Like the movie starts with. A David Bowie song. Yeah. Feels well, yeah, really def- like you get a lot of weight. You get more into a soundtrack than yeah. another Lynch. This is because a- this still had Angelo Bad- Badalamente, mm-hmm. you know, arguably the greatest uh, composer. All, I, my favorite. A great partner for Lynch, Perfect. especially. Yeah. Perfect. Two right. guys that know each other perfectly. So his work is a little more laid back in this one because you get a heavily dominated, popular at the time industrial metal soundtrack Mm -hmm. you know with yeah that was with everyone's favorite ramstein a lot of ramstein a lot of ramstein a lot of ramstein with the song ramstein is the band that might say their name more in their lyrics only next to john spencer blues explosion (laughs) (laughs) half the songs in every blues explosion album are just john spencer going like Blues explosion! <laughs> like, <laughs> like did not all, know that. half that band's lyrics is just them name dropping their own band. That's uh, that's a hell of a name to be dropping. Yeah, that's funny. And but yeah, this was just very much like is just like Rom Stein. Yeah, it's like that's what they do. It's just like an eight minute Romstein video <laughs> in this movie that already the cra- I did feel like this people were living and dying with these movies. 
At a certain point in Lost Highway, there was a point where I'm pretty sure 17 people yawned at the exact <laughs> same time. Where I'm like, okay, people are feeling the length here. Yeah, People yeah, are feeling right. this. We got to go for the finish. Mm-hmm. Like there was one point where I was like, ooh, the room just got heavier. Room just got a little darker lidded yeah. right now. We got to pull through here. It takes a little while for kind of that ending weirdness to happen. And so we get it, like yeah. these slow motion Rammstein videos. <laughs> Yeah, and then and it's then, such like this specifically 1997 vibe that right. I'm like, God, why didn't Lynch do something every week of 1997? And uh, yeah, Marilyn Manson. Yeah, Marilyn songs. Manson and Twiggy Ramirez show up as actors in a porno that's being uh, screened on the wall of a Hollywood mansion. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're getting those hard Once Upon a Time in Hollywood vibes with their uh, Hollywood Hills mansion. That Robert Loja scene. Had to be the exact same spot with the tailgating. That uh-huh. had to be the same spot where they had that big car accident in Mulholland Drive. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Had to be the same spot. That's, that shoulder looked identical. So much of this spot. movie is, yeah, it's, it's crazy how kind of Lynch goes back to things like that throughout. I mean, this movie has the red curtains and. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, having such stuff, a hard Twin Peaks vibe with yeah. those red curtains and Bill Pullman. But then uh, having bedroom. that Mulholland Drive feel with the house in the hills and. Yeah. You know, the, the, yeah, they go, and, but then they go back. <laughs> What's so funny <laughs> is that we didn't even get into in Wild at Heart how Willem Dafoe is setting up a robbery oh, yeah. as a way to kill Nick Cage. <laughs> we didn't say anything about that. And then in this movie, Patricia Arquette sets up a robbery with Balthazar Getty, and yeah. you're basically waiting for you know him <laughs> to become the fall guy again, yeah. just like That's the what... plan was for Cage. I so never... it's like all this stuff keeps kind of getting reworked and maybe Mm -hmm. he's got these ideas that he kind of can massage around kind of the basic you know noir uh structure that he's developed this film felt we mentioned this earlier it felt kind of pulled between Mm -hmm. uh wild at heart and mulholland drive like a not quite as good version of both of them right kind of like (laughs) kind of like this is the bones of what becomes mulholland drive Uh uh-huh that's what something you know that's what it felt like Like, to me or a a, and i'm not i've never been sure if that's because uh, I saw Mulholland Drive when it was in the theater. I was in college and went to the Rialto. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then kept, just like with Con Air, I kept finding people to take back to yes. uh, the movie because I just kept wanting to see it again and wanted to share it with people. So I know I saw Mulholland Drive like three times in the theater, and that was the for- first David Lynch movie that I like was seeking out on my own in the theater. Mm-hmm. So I have a strong attachment to Mulholland Drive. And if I had been born maybe a year earlier, maybe I'd have that same thing with Lost Highway. I don't know. Because it was a bomb at the theater. Oh, yeah. Whereas I think Mulholland Drive was a bit more successful. Uh, I think so. I feel like this one was not as critically acclaimed as, no. as Mulholland this Drive. Is, this become. is probably next to Dune, probably the weakest yeah. uh, critical, critical movie for Lynch. Uh, but it's also grown in estimation a lot over the mm-hmm. last 20 plus years, right? I think the mood has kind of sweetened on it. The general, the general, uh, I think so, but I think this one is definitely like fans only. Like, I don't think, you know, like sure. if, if we showed someone who'd never heard of David Lynch, if we showed them Wild at Heart, <laughs> I, I bet we get a, you know, 75% chance we, we, sure. if we know this person's taste enough to know. But if we show them Lost Highland, I think maybe it's a, 25% chance they get into it. It's it's kind of one of those where 
you do need to know that going in, you're not going to know what's going on. You're, you're going <laughs> to yeah, be, well, you're there more for the feeling. And, and I guess the, we had kind of a real time litmus test. Our friend Alistair was at the oh, yeah. movies last night and he'd never, he didn't know a thing about either of these movies. He's one of my young, he's like a, he's a, I think he's, I don't know, 25, my coworker. And he's been coming out to some of these cult nights. He had never seen yeah. a peep about these movies. He told me he loved every second about Wild at Heart. I didn't ask him about Lost Highway. Uh, yeah, Because yeah. I could tell the mood in the lobby afterwards was like, well, that was the thing we will, we all watched together. Yeah. So it was think, also midnight by that time. And we, had, yeah, like you said, had been sitting there for four and a half hours watching these movies. I, I, I think I was like, I'm going home now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know was, we, I was pretty we usually all hang out and talk in the lobby afterwards. And I came out of the bathroom. <laughs> like, everybody was just gone. Yeah. Like, oh, like, okay. I'm like, leaving. Yeah, Sean to the was like, I'll give you a ride. I was like, I'll take the ride. <laughs> I'm going to go. So, uh, so, yeah, I think people were a little shell-shocked after this. But yeah. a bunch of them were seeing it. I think we'd seen it more than everyone else. So I think we were, it was hitting us one way. And everybody else was either on their first or second time seeing it. I bet, I bet a lot of the crowd were people that had seen it maybe 20 years ago. Right. And now we're jumping back into it in 2020. Right. I could see that. And so there's a lot of just, again, though, I see the charm in it. Just a lot of 1997 all over this movie. And yeah, man, let me tell you about one of the songs. Some of the songs were pretty intrusive. The Rammstein stuff still strikes me as so weird. Yeah. To just be, that's even more intrusive than Rheingold's music in the band. <laughs> well. It's you get the band literally just rum and it's so he plays it twice though that's the weird yeah thing. there's like, he does he, he repeats we, the cue again get a later Ram, like ramstein reprise <laughs> um i love and i don't remember this from the other versions it had to be there but it hit me so hard this time the lou reed cover of this magic moment oh yeah i loved it i don't remember scene. that and i'm a huge lou reed uh, fan the blue mask is maybe my favorite album of any album ever and you knew that you've made me a t-shirt goddamn right with me with my face as the blue mask <laughs> have a couple of those still in storage and uh i forgot the lou reed song in this movie i loved that cover hmm. i thought it was so beautiful because it was lou reed doing his uh man doing a disaffected christopher walken mm. vocals Okay. That he kind of yeah. does. Yeah, he's he's got pretty. He kind of does back. like a he does yeah. like a William Shatner as like a, a serious musician vocals. You know, he has his own way of drolly delivering oh, lines. Yeah. Absolutely. But I loved his, like, uh, you could tell he's. I don't know who was on the, uh, um, solo guitar on the song, but you could tell he was on the discordant mm-hmm. noise guitar. Mm-hmm. So I loved his drone <laughs> drone take on uh, this magic moment i don't know why i didn't remember that from the other viewings of it but maybe it was the sound system in the theater maybe i don't know because this movie for all those gorgeous big song numbers that it has the rest of the time it is the quietest quietest movie i've sat through in the last decade where every bite of popcorn sounded like I was making the biggest racket. Two hours right. of this movie is dialogue sm- spoken in like smoldering whispers. Exactly. He's onto us. 
Yeah. He knows. There's and then it's so like, much soft just... talking in this movie, and I'm just like opening this crinkly piece of Zowers candy, yeah. and I'm just like, oh, God, these people hate me now. But it's like there's no moments. I want these Zowers. I want my Zowers like, candy. Got to eat the candy. What are you going to do? It's yeah, like, no, what am I going to wait? Another 30 minutes till the next, like, Twiggy Ramirez guitar solo <laughs> to eat this candy? Come on. I forgot how just smolderingly soft-talking passionate it was. Mm-hmm. So these two movies, Wild at Heart and uh, Lost Highway, are such a romance novel take on things. It's such a David Lynch, John Waters romance novel scum mystery. <laughs> it's so great. I, re- I really do lo- love Lost Highway, even for all its maybe unexplainable faults. Yeah. And it's lugubrious sex scenes <laughs> just so much face touching it was just like oh, your nails them off the, oh more nails off the just like all those garish nails and wild nails heart and we had yeah. so many nail shots in yeah. lost highway <laughs> just the cameos were so weird both visually and as we've said orally mm-hmm. all these songs are just played so loud over the scenes the dialogue takes a back seat Hmm. to these loud 1997 era songs it's just so wild to hear it was that era of bowie where he was hanging out with trent Reznor, and so he right. was making yeah. that that era of specific cyberpunk uh bowie music exactly and so you just keep getting these kind of intrusive but kind of cool 1997 songs that was the shit that seemed like strange days to me right 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 for sure like, that's the kind of stuff that made it feel very the matrix mm-hmm. so that i'm just like god damn i want david lynch to do a matrix <laughs> i want this to happen well probably but not so, gonna happen buddy but so so you. now that now that we've uh we've uh chatted about lost highway has your mood gone up even more on it or or uh lessened a bit have we poked holes or did you are you more into uh, there's no i think i talked it's myself hard, even it's kind of hard to poke it. holes in a thing that's like up in this kind of up in the air plot yeah man. um but i it you know it, that, it's probably it's such it's, a pastiche of striking different nerves yeah stuff that doesn't totally go anywhere like all the video surveillance and the invasive voyeurism that kind of stuff just hit a nerve even if it doesn't totally have like a payoff, yeah. it's just weird. These shots of the filming the trunk, and uh, you know these porno movies being filmed in this eight millimeter vibe. You know, it just strikes this weird, specific, nostalgic aesthetic that I'm way into. <laughs> it, it feels ner- like hitting a nerve is a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah I love. Really it's just this idea of David Lynch making like a fucking Brian De Palma movie. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know how much I love Body Double. Right. How have we not done a Body Double episode? <laughs> oh. Uh. The grossest. <laughs> you talking about Hollywood gross. Well, we can, we'll do some De Palma. We'll get to De Palma. Oh, Untapped De Palma. A lot of De Palma um, to go through. It feels like David Lynch making his Brian De Palma movie. The sex scenes are so like, and like you know, just, just like, God, am I watching this? Am I right. seeing this in a theater? right now and i love that specific vibe of it i love it i think i talked myself even higher into lost highway there you go warts and all baby it's it's, it's uh it's cool it's just got it's yeah, just cool it, it's cool like it, ha- uh, it just does it it carves its own little it's for way for the fans like i said i i don't think a person off the street's gonna really want to 
be revisiting Lost Highway twenty five years later, but but that Loja it's scene a cool, seems the Loja alone is worth the, the price of admission. that. That seems the thing that can reach across the aisle. Um, yeah, that's the kind cool. of scene that should be universally beloved. Yeah, in film, like I said, that's a that's an Oscar package scene right there. <laughs> that's such a perfect scene for any actor. What like actual comedy? You hear about all these, you know famously funny movies from the 70s you know mash and the in-laws and all these kind of like classic (laughs) 70s comedies in a scene like that that's the kind of classic comedy scene if we're doing one of those afi presents right comedy pictures funniest yeah top funniest scenes in a a movie yeah if you don't include this is one of the genuinely funniest scenes in movie history uh, yeah traffic fatality statistics yeah this is like this is like bill murray doing the rant about uh william atherton having no dick right cats and dogs (laughs) living together yeah it's one of those actors getting to so freely act Mm. with such fun material that it's like well this is classic this is legendary it stuck it's tickled that same kind of same kind of spot for me it's so perfect. Yeah. Like, it, it has to be one of the funniest scenes ever written. Like, any actor's dream. Total highlight. So, yeah, and I love the vibe in the room. Mm-hmm. Just cheering for a scene. When have you seen that? 90 no, you pe- don't see 90 that. people no, cheered for, that. for something that a movie created. Yeah. That's special. So how can you hate this movie? Do oh, you, you can't ha- hate it. Do you hate saxophone? Yeah. Is that it? Oh, I'm sorry. Do you not like Rammstein? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> oh, what a picture. What a picture. I love Lost Highway. I'm excited. I love Lost Highway. Eric, even though I hate Lost Highway. Eric, I'm just going to jump on here and say I'm glad. <laughs> I'm you glad like, you like it. I'm glad you like it. I just wanted to hop on. Oh, man. Got to get a hop on. I love it. Lost Highway. Lost so, Highway. Check it out. If you can find it, check it out. I think, <laughs> I, I think it finally did get an actual okay, release. Good. I mean, like we saw... Like a Blu-ray, I assume. Okay. So, and it looked amazing on the big screen. There you go. This is how it was meant to be seen. Finally. Finally. I think it could be. <laughs> it, 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 this one's a slow burner. It's going to take longer to be a classic Lynch, but we're yep. there. It's just a slower moving glacier. I feel you there. But yeah, I was, I'm into it. I love it more every time I see it. I love Robert Loja. There you go. What a legend. What a legend. All right. It's so come it's to, come to this. this. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I'm Eric. I'm Charlie. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for sitting with that double uh, feature, David Double Lynch. Lynch. Who knows what we'll be back with. Uh, but it'll yeah. Be, uh, it'll the world be is our oyster next week. and uh, All Baltazar Getty, one week oh, from now. Oh, man. Deep it's dive on Getty. The Getty Fest. Here yeah, we go. it's happening. Week three. <laughs> Check it out. Thanks, guys. Good night.